Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Today, if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to turn with me to Psalm 51. Turn with me to the 51st Psalm as today we kick off um, our new sermon series that's going to last for the next six weeks. And it is entitled, Revived. And I am looking forward to this message because I believe that, as Pastor Lisa mentioned earlier, that God is up to incredible things here in the life of this church. I believe that we have only begun to, to see the things that God has in store for us. And I believe that the days ahead of us are going to be so much greater than anything that we've ever witnessed in the past. Amen. And that God is unleashing his favor right here through Faith Assembly Church. So if you've got your spot there, Psalm 51, if you would just shout amen. amen. Uh, for some time now, you've heard Pastor Lisa and myself say that we are experiencing revival at this church. And, and for some of you, especially from a traditional church background, maybe you're, you've, you've heard that repetitively now for some time, and you may be thinking to yourself, well, that's, that's incredible because um, I, I haven't seen any schedule of special services. Uh, we haven't had that many guest speakers in, so to speak, or any of the trappings that we normally associate with what we have come in the American church to associate with revival. I'm reminded of a song. Can I... Can I no, I'm not going to sing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna. to... The songwriter wrote, You can always find a steeple, a few religious people. There's a, peop, there's, a, there's a preacher on the front step shaking everybody's hand. A sign shaped like a Bible saying summer revival. But there's a million dead churches just filling up an acre of land. Yep. So, we've not had any special meetings. We've not really had any guest speakers, and we've done little that meets the traditional understanding of revival, and you've never really heard revival addressed in the context of an ongoing thing. Some of you may be new to church, and you, you hear this terminology, and you think, you know, I, I wonder what that means. And let me just preface what I'm saying with this and just, just hasten to add this here. There's nothing wrong with special meetings. There's, there's nothing wrong with times to emphasize spiritual renewal. We need that. But I believe in many cases that the American church has become so accustomed to complacency in our lives spiritually and in our fellowship with one another that we have to schedule times to be resuscitated spiritually and it's a fleeting and momentary thing. That's not what I want for this church. That's not what I'm believing God for, for Faith Assembly Church. I don't believe that's what you want for your own spiritual life as well. I don't think you want revival as an event. I think you want to be revived as a state of spiritual being. Revival is not an event. Revival is a state of spiritual well-being. 
You and I don't have to survive event to event, revival to revival, meeting to meeting, to experience the event of revival. You and I have available to us through the grace of Jesus Christ and the person and work of the Holy Spirit all of the tools that we need to live a revived life. Now over these next several weeks, I want to share with you a few principles for living a revived life and also a few things that we might expect as a result of living this revived life and things that we can earnestly believe God for. Some things that I believe we can look to heaven and we can, we can come with a boldness and a confidence that comes through Christ Jesus and the finished work of Calvary and stand with an ardent expectation that God is going to pour these things out in our lives. And, and we're not going to use this text exclusively, but we're going to visit this Psalm 51 on a weekly basis at least, which is the Psalm of David as he called out to the Lord for his own spiritual life to be revived and renewed and restored in the Lord. And Lisa and I want you to hear these messages not because we want to condemn you for the lack of perfection, because we know that nobody stands in that place except Jesus, but because we want you to know what's available to you in Christ Jesus. We want you to have it. We want your friends to have it also. And speaking of which, today is if, uh, September 4th, and uh, it is, you know, PSA, it is September already. Next week is Christmas, just so you know, okay? <laughs> Um, so anyway, that's the way time works. Um, I, I used to hear people much older even than I am right now say, you know, life is so short, time is so short, and I'd be like, my goodness, you're 95 years old. What do you mean life is short? <laughs> Let me tell you something. Time is relative to experience. <laughs> time is a vapor. Just it, It's here and gone, okay? So... But we, we want you to remember that. But September, how many of you know what the beginning of September marks? N 90 and 90, that's right. We're, we're believing God that in these 90 days, in this window between the beginning of September and the end of November, that God is going to give us a harvest of souls. The Word said that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And I believe that as you and I are, are, are consistently seeking the Lord, looking to heaven, trusting God, and being available to be used. I'm not talking about people who necessarily come, walk the aisles, and come to this altar, although we're believing for that to happen also. But I'm talking about as you avail yourself to the work of the Holy Spirit in your own life, the guidance and direction of Jesus in your own life as he's opening doors of opportunity that you're going to come back into this place with your own testimonies to share. As a matter of fact, we believe that so much that on the homepage of our website right now or either in the Church Center app, you can go and you can find a link that says My Salvation Story. Now, as you read that, especially on the website, you might think that that's just a testimonial page that's for new believers or something, but it's not. There's also a space in there that you, as an evangelist, can go and check that says, I prayed with someone to receive Christ. 
and then a little block where you can tell us about your friends. So as you're out witnessing the goodness of God, as you're out praying with people and leading people to Jesus, we want to hear about it because we want to celebrate, church, because we're believing God. We're believing God for those 90 souls in 90 days. And the thing is, you're a part of that. You're a part of that. It is, you are instrumental to God's plan and God's, God's blessing coming to fruition in the life of this church and in this community. And we need to hear about it, okay? So, so anytime you have those encounters, go to the Church Center app, jump on the, jump on the website, either place, and share with us that information because we want to celebrate with you and we want to follow up with people because we need to walk with people through their building of their faith. Amen? We've got some awesome things in place. There's a, there's a discipleship class that's kicking off next week. And, and we're just believing God that that's going to be instrumental. Our connect groups are getting launched off in a couple of weeks. And uh, we're just believing that we're, we're situated and, and standing ready to receive a harvest. Amen? Amen. And we want you to be prayerful for that. Uh, and, and this is not a commercial. It's actually part of my message today. Uh, because we, we need to believe God for miracles. But you need to be here on Wednesday night. Uh, September 21st that's our next unite prayer and worship emphasis and we're going to be gathering in this place and we're going to be believing God for miracles and we're going to be believing God for a harvest and uh, with that I need you to pick up some invite cards on your way out because you need to bring people to church with you amen amen we're going to be sharing the word of the Lord over these next six weeks as we always do but with a special emphasis on on the goodness and the grace of God that leads to salvation and we need, we need to get folks in here to hear the word. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So um, I want to give you a little backstory here to the 51st Psalm so that you can kind of understand the posture of the psalmist as he's writing these words and understand the conditions of life that have led him to this point where he begins to call out to the Lord in such a manner. At, at, at a point in David's life, David, who was the king of Israel, I underscore that, that positional title there that he was the king of Israel. At a point in his life, David began to live at ease. And perhaps a little more at ease than he should have. And I want to I just challenge you with this thought today, believer, that any time that you and I uh, become at a place in our Christian walk, in our walk of faith, that we begin to be at ease in Zion, there, there's opportunity availed for the adversary to come in and, and begin to sow seeds of thought in our, in our hearts, in our mind, and begin to, we're, we're opening the door ever so slightly for things to come into our lives. If we're not being vigilant in taking spiritual inventory, if we're not being vigilant in, in submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to speak into our lives, and if we're at ease in Zion, there's an opportunity there for the enemy to come in. And this is where we find David in 2 Samuel chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. It says, in the spring of the year, you remember David's title? He was the king of Israel, right? Okay? It was in the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war. David was a king. David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites, and they destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. And however, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. 
He didn't go out to battle. He didn't go out to battle. He wasn't wasn't fighting the battle of the day. And church, we can't just congregate, come to church, go through the motion, and not fight the good fight of faith. Beware that you're not so at ease in your faith that you've ceased to do the things that build your faith. That, That type of complacency makes way for the devil to get a foothold in your life, and it does here in David's. And we continue reading verse 2, and it says, Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out, out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. And he sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told that she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And from this point forward, we, we find things that are the making of a daytime soap opera. David sends for this woman to find out who she is. He finds out who she is. He brings her into his quarters. He has an an adulterous uh, affair with her. She conceives a child as a result of that affair. And David thought to himself, you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll rectify this situation in my own strength and on my own terms. So he sends out to the battlefield to have her husband Uriah brought in. And he encourages him to go home. Let me stop and back up here for just a second. For those of you that maybe don't understand the weight and the gravity of this, if you've ever read a little excerpt from the book of Exodus called the Ten Commandments, it says you shall not commit adultery. I find it difficult sometimes because I don't want to be too elementary, but I've got to tell you that I have a concern, a deep and growing concern in this generation that we've lost track of the things that do and do not please the heart of God. And we've lost track in many instances of the things that are sinful in the sight of a holy God. And it's with a heavy heart that I emphasize today that David here has committed adultery. In a little bit, we're going to see David move from adultery into other things. He's, he's, he's called Uriah in, and he said, Uriah, you know, you, take a break, man. Go home. See your wife. And Uriah's a far more noble man at this point in his life than David is. And he says, no, nah, I'm not going to go home. I'm not going to go home and sleep in my bed with my wife while all of my countrymen are out and they're, they're at war. I'm going to sleep here on the palace steps. And he does. A second night this happens and when Uriah refuses to go home, David actually puts letters in Uriah's hand and sends him out to the battlefield. And when the commander who's there on the battlefield read it, the words contained therein are the instructions for them to advance in battle with Uriah on the front lines. And then at the heat, when the battle's the hottest, the rest of the company is to withdraw, leaving Uriah to face certain death there by himself. Now David vicariously has committed murder. Word comes back to Bathsheba that her husband has been killed on the battlefield. She mourns, she grieves. 
David brings her into his house after the period of grieving and mourning is over and for that brief and fleeting moment feels like the world is right and he is satisfied and, and fixed everything and it's, it's all good. Nobody's ever going to find out. Nobody's ever going to know. Except they do. One day we turn over to chapter 12 and we find that David sometime later gets a visit from a prophet by the name of Nathan. And the word of the Lord says, so the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. And Nathan is there speaking to David and he says, there were two men in a certain town. One was rich and the other was poor. And the rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle and the poor man owned nothing but one little lamb that he had bought. He raised the little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup and he cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. And one day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. And David was furious. It's amazing the standards that we can hold for other people that we won't hold for ourselves, isn't it? David is furious with this man. And, and, and the word says that David said, as surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one that he stole and for having no pity. And Nathan said to David, you are that man. You are that man. You are that man. You found out, David. What was in the background? Remember, I told you I was going to give you some background. What was in the background has now been brought to the forefront. It's out in the open now. In these verses, understand this church. Nathan is a type, and he's doing the work of the Holy Spirit. Because there's things, I believe, in each of our lives that are running in the background. There's a thought life that's there. There are habits that we have. There are things that we hold in secret that we keep back. Maybe there's just blatant, outright sin. Maybe you're watching online today and this is the first time you've ever tuned in to a church message before. And you know things aren't right in your life. I want to tell you today, I believe that the Holy Spirit is at work in this hour and he is calling things to the forefront. He is calling things to the forefront. People say that a loving God would never send a soul to hell. I tell you that any soul that goes to hell is going to trample the goodness and the mercy of God and turn a deaf ear to the voice of the Holy Ghost over and over and over until they meet the grave. God's not sending anybody anywhere. Because the word of the Lord says that God is not slack concerning his, concerning his promises as men count slackness. But he's patient and he's long-suffering and he's loving, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance in Christ Jesus. And Nathan is here in this place and he's doing the work of the Holy Spirit. And church, I believe today that if you and I would turn and attune our ear to the voice of God, he would speak to us and he would begin to call things out in us. And let me just, let me just warn you of a couple of things. The Holy Spirit comes to raise us to an awareness of guilt that I am a sinner 
When Isaiah found himself in the holy place, he was, he was there in the presence of the Lord and, and, and taken with the holiness of God. He called out and said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Let me tell you something. When you get in the presence of God, there will be an awareness of guilt of sin in our lives. Guilt is an irrefutable fact. What's done is done. There's no getting around it. It doesn't matter if you were caught or not, you're guilty. It doesn't matter if you're willing to acknowledge it or not, you're guilty. And when we are confronted with our guilt, we must acknowledge that we are guilty before God, ask his forgiveness and receive his grace. But there's another element, because inasmuch as the Holy Spirit is working in our lives to bring us from glory to glory to glory into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ, the adversary is also at work, and every time the enemy, every time the Holy Spirit touches something in your life to raise an awareness of something that you need to get right before God, the enemy will come along and he will begin to heap on you shame. Shame. Shame doesn't come from God. Shame is not part of the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there with a word of hope. The Holy Spirit is there with a word of reconciliation. The Holy Spirit comes with a, a move of restoration. But the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And inasmuch as the Holy Spirit is working in your life, the enemy is warring against it. And he comes with a burden of shame. And shame is a product of guilt in our lives because it's a place where we've opened the door to the enemy through our transgression. But here's the thing, and this is my alarm, this is my warning for you and I today, and that's this. Shame will cause you to shy away from the presence of God. You go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. The first time that Adam had to meet the Lord, confronted with the guilt of his disobedience. The Lord came walking in the cool of the day to fellowship with Adam and Eve, and he couldn't find them. And when he finally caught up to them, he said, where were you? And Adam said, I knew that I was naked. He wasn't worried about being naked. He was worried about the fact that he knew good and well that he'd eaten of the forbidden tree. I knew that I transgressed. I knew that I had sinned. I knew that I'd done the wrong thing. And I was ashamed. I was ashamed. And I want to share with you something today, church, that there are, this is not just a word for the new believer. Because I believe there are a lot of people in the church who have prayed and earnestly to receive the grace of God for their lives. And they have forgiveness of the sins, but they still needlessly bear the weight of shame in their lives. 
And day after day, year after year, decade after decade, we walk around and we fail to pursue and we fail to go after what we know and sense that God has for us because we're ashamed. But I want to tell you something today, church. The Word says that through the blood of Jesus Christ that our sins have been removed from us as far as the east is from the west. And if you, wanna, if you want just a little geographical significance here, th- today, here you go. You can only go north or south for so long before you're heading the opposite direction. It's, it's a finite space. If you traverse the earth, you'll go north until you hit the North Pole. You keep going, you're heading south. But as long as you're moving east, you're always moving east. And as long as you move west, you're always moving west for an infinite distance. As long as you're willing to walk, you're always walking in the opposite direction from the thing that God has severed from your life through the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, church, it's amazing grace. But there are people who can't be free. They can't live victorious. Because every time you try to move forward to the things of God or His calling on your life, you're reminded of the person that you used to be. And I want to encourage you today, church, that shame is an unnecessary burden placed in your life by your adversary. So when the Holy Spirit touches our heart, There's only one right response. There's only one appropriate response. There's only one thing that you need to do. You don't need to fix it the way that David tried to fix it. You don't need to put the pieces together the way that David tried to put the pieces together. But you need to do what we find David doing in the opening verses of Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God. Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. You know, we've got to be honest. We've got to be honest and we've got to be real about the places where we're just obstinate to the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're just rebellious in our hearts. Where we have a a hardness, where we have things that just, just aren't right. David says, I I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. 
I've done what is evil in your sight and you will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give back to me joy again. And you have broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins, but remove the stain of my guilt. I want to invite you to stand all over this place today. And I'm not here to convince you that David walked in perfection from this point forward. But I am saying that he found forgiveness from sins and a renewal of his spiritual life and that the days thereafter were a lot sweeter for David. I know that this was a painful time in David's life and maybe you're needlessly bearing pain and guilt in your own life today. I know that it was a painful time for David because later on in his life he penned the 119th Psalm and in verse 11 he said, Lord, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you because I don't want to go through that anymore. Maybe that's something that each of us need to commit to do. Spend time in the Word, learning the things that please and displease the heart of God, being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And maybe, maybe by doing so, we could get rid of the guilt and we could say goodbye to the shame that plagues our lives. And we, as the writer to the Hebrews encourages us, could come boldly before the throne of grace not just week to week service to service event to event crisis to crisis having momentary resuscitations but continually living a revived life I, I honor revival. I cherish it. But you do understand that before something is revived, it has to die. There's agony. There's defeat. There's heartache. There's brokenness. And, and I don't want to continually hinge my spirituality and my, my spiritual life on a calendar that dictates to me when I can be revived. I want to get in the Spirit of God. I want to get in the presence of the Lord with a repentant heart, with, with that spirit and attitude that says, search me, O God, and know my heart. And see if there's any unclean thing in me. Avail myself to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Listen intently and then live submissively. And be healed and made whole. 
and allow the Lord as he did for Isaiah to take that coal off the altar and touch it to the point of my iniquity and cleanse me and make me free to live a revived life to be in good spiritual health not suffering not not straggling by but to live revived that's my prayer for you that's my prayer for you as we're closing this morning I want to offer this simple invitation number one to those of you that are watching online this morning I want to encourage you that if you need to pray to receive Jesus or you're praying to receive Jesus I want you to I want you to send us a message I want you to reach out to us via the Facebook our our internet our website either one and I, I want you to let us know how we can pray with you and we want to encourage you and and secondly if you're in this place right now and when you would just say Jesus I just want a revived life I want to live daily refreshed in your presence God if, if you would just put your finger on things in my life right now things that are running in the background call them to the forefront right now and help me to deal with them God because before they become something greater because it will if that's you today in just a moment I'm gonna invite you to step out of your seat and we're gonna pray together around these altars Holy Spirit revive us revive us oh God not just for a moment not just for a day but as a lifestyle revive us oh God and in that company as you're coming today if you'd say pastor Steve I don't know Jesus I want to know him today as my Lord and Savior would you pray with me those of you that come just you're you're saved you're good I want you to leave a little space right here in the middle and if you come and just stand right here, I'm going to know that you want, you want Pastor Lisa and I to pray with you today and believe God for your salvation experience right now. The Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart. Maybe you don't even understand the things that are going on right now, but you just sense something is drawing you this morning. I'm telling you, it's the voice of the Holy Spirit. No man comes to the Father but through Jesus, and no man comes to Jesus except he's led of the Holy Ghost. And if there's a tug in your heart right now, I want you to step out from where you are in just a minute. Our team's going to lead us in worship. If you would just come in total surrender this morning, say, Lord, here I am. I place myself on the altar before you. Touch my heart, O oh God. Speak to me. Revive me, O oh Lord. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. I want to live revived in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.